I'm Harry Nichols. This is Kid Stuff. On October 15th, I put out a brand new EP all about my work dealing with and empathizing with middle school kids. To go a little deeper on the subject, I'm sitting down with friends from all walks of my musical and artistic life to talk about their own adolescence and how it shaped them into the person that they are today. Today I got a chance to speak to Emma Underwood. Emma plays in a band right here in Ithaca called Spazar. It's a really, really interesting uh, mix of styles, rock and roll band, sort of doomish at times, little fringes of psychedelia here and there. You name it, it's probably got it in there somewhere. You can check out Emma's work with Spazar on Bandcamp and Spotify. And you can check out my new EP on all the streaming services. It is called Kid Stuff, just like the show. Uh, give it a listen. Let me know what you think. You might have noticed that it's been a little while since the last uh, episode of this show. And that's because now that the rush of the EP release is over, we're going to be switching over to monthly episodes instead of weekly. Um, but I'm looking forward to, to continuing to do this because I'm really enjoying the conversations. And, and I hope that you are too. All right, that's enough out of me. Let's talk to Emma. Very good. Uh, let me just double check. I'm sorry before we, I know that I already started recording and this is a very awkward way to begin. <laughs> now I just want to check my settings real quick and make sure that I'm right. I there thrive in awkward, so we're good. That's perfect. Well, that's actually, that's very perfect for yeah. Uh, yeah, what we're doing here. So Emma, thank you so much for uh, meeting with me. This is really exciting for me. Uh, how are you? I'm doing great. I, right yeah, I'm having a great day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 what what constitutes a, a great day in your world at the moment? Oh, Tell well, me. Well, so to get a great status in one of my days, um, I basically spent all day mixing audio um, that my band Spazar recorded a month and a half ago. Um, so I've been just mixing all day. Killer. Where? So, I, I mean, I want among the many things I want to talk to you about. It, um, is certainly I want to mention Spazar um, because it is such a cool band. Um, first of all, it's so ra- I feel like it's, it's so rare to find a band that is like doing the rock music in this area you know um and it it definitely is doing the rock music i mean where and you know actually so i i had a a quick session earlier today in school um because john works at duet with me john north the guitar player Mm -hmm. from bizarre and i'm saying this for the for the listener not you i know you know who john north is (laughs) uh so so i had a quick session in school today where he was playing a song with me for for what is sitting instead of an actual release show for my EP. And uh, he mentioned to me that like, you know, it's kind of like a 50, 50 split of, of the writing, right. In, in Spazar. So, so why don't you tell me like a little bit about as a, as a songwriter, where, where do you come from? Thank you for asking. And thank you for the kind words. I grew up on like rock and roll, you know, like I'm from Ohio. I'm from mm-hmm. the Rust Belt and everything was classic rock. Um, I grew up with my dad, um, specifically during these like preteen and early teenage years, and it was just all rock and roll. So that's where I really cut my teeth. Um, and songwriting was learning 
all of that stuff at an early age. But then like when I started to maybe from the time of like 10 until like I was like 17 or 18, I fell in love with pop music. Mm. Like that. So I was, this was around 2000. So the, you know, Y2K was like on everyone's mind and it was just the era of these big pop stars and everything on the radio was like, you know, Spice Girls and Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. And so at that point in my life, I just latched on to this pop music, even though it was like not cool. No one in my family listened to it. Um, it was kind of like a secret for me for a long time. Um, but I remember like sometimes these songs would hit me so hard and I'd have these like, I'd feel a lot of emotions from yeah. just like cheesy pop songs. Sure. And so I remember like, you know, like being, there was a, there was a moment where I was like probably listening to like a Faith Hill song or something <laughs> as weird as it is. Um, it was on like, you know, on the radio and I was like moved to tears over this cheesy country pop song that I don't know why, but I remember being like, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to write songs and specifically I want to write songs that make people feel things. Yeah. Oh my God. And, what song was that? Can I, what, what song? Was uh, that? Oh my gosh. It was uh, this kiss. Yeah, yeah, for real. Oh man, no, that's wonderful. So I, dude, I, I kind of, I, I feel like I had a similar experience, um, uh, as well. And and it was with like, man, like, in my earliest album buying days, I, I bought this, um, this like compilation CD. It was like, it was like a now that's what I call music knockoff. It was like kind of before I discovered now that's what I call music, you know, and um. And it had this song by Savage Garden on it. And it was a time when I, it must've been like seventh or, or eighth grade. And I was dealing a lot with feeling like, I was dealing a lot with the fact that I was having thoughts and I was realizing that I was not really fully in control of my thoughts. And it was kind of a frightening experience for me. And there's a, there's this line, it's, it's, I feel like it's kind of the same experience because it's this cheesy pop song. It's, you know, it's very like lowest common denominator mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But at the same time, you know, I just felt so heard, you know, yeah. with, with some of the lyrics in this song. I, man, I'm, I'm struggling to, I'm struggling to think of the title of the song. I'm totally going to play it though on the actual yeah, podcast. Yeah, totally. Figure it out. Um, Tame your wild, wild heart 
but yeah no that's that's great so so you 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 grew up in in the realm of rock and you you discovered pop you know Mm -hmm. from there and how do you feel like that manifests itself now in your current artistry oh my gosh i write pop songs all the time that's Mm -hmm. like what i write and you know spazar is one of my one of my music outlets it's kind of like my main public music outlet Mm-hmm. But I write songs. I have a little studio at my house, and I write songs every day, um, all sorts of instrumentation. And so I write pop songs, and all of the songs that I've brought to Spazar started out as just a standard format pop song. And then I'm like, check this out. Let's destroy this and figure <laughs> out what's going to happen. And so That's it's, awesome. It's, yeah, it's really fun. So it's still like a huge part of it. Like I love hooks. Nice. What are some, what are some hooks that you ad, like, what are some hooks that you admire right now as, as a pop songstress? Oh, like contemporary stuff. Could be contemporary. Just like also just anything that you are trying to, that you use kind of as a signpost for what you're looking for. Like, I'll give you an example. Like for me, um, a really big part of my own songwriting is um, the Beach Boys. Um, I, I really admire Brian Wilson and the way he sort of took um, jazz music and turned that into the sort of elegance of jazz music into um, into into pop music, you know, into rock music. And uh, so, like uh, a really big you know, moment for me is just the song God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. I have, literally have it tattooed mm, on my on my arm yeah. right here, as you can see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so just for me, like that hook, God only knows what I'd be without you. So like tremendously influential as far as my own writing goes and, and everything that I that I write, I'm kind of trying to there's there's some element of that that I'm kind of trying to mm-hmm evoke you know what i mean even if mm-hmm. even if i'm not trying to necessarily i'm not ne- i'm not trying to write that hook but there's just like i love the elegance of that series of notes you know um yeah it's are there special. any are there any things like that for you or is it just kind of different yeah no so i'll get on like kicks of different songwriters um and right now i can't stop listening to pink so <laughs> okay cool, i have man. i've been listening to pink all day, every right day for like three weeks straight now. Are um, there any particular, like, so what, what specifically of Pink's or just the whole discography? Yeah. I mean. No, um, specifically, she has this song with her daughter called Cover Me in Sunshine. And it's mm-hmm. like in the last year, I think it came out, like this year. Um, and so she has a, a 10 or 11 year old daughter. And me, I have a, I have a 10 year old and a seven year old at home. And I make music with them. So there's kind of this element of, you know, family sharing qualities. And so me and my daughter have been obsessed with that song. And it's just catchy as all get out. Cover me in sunshine. Shower me with good times. Tell me that the world's been spinning since the beginning. And everything will be all right. Cover me in sunshine. Yeah. But um, but that kind of led me into, she has a documentary on one of the streaming services and it's just amazing. Like her live shows are just amazing. I had no idea until like a month ago, like, like anything about her, except right, for right. The, the songs that were on the radio in the 2000s. But 
yeah, anyway, it's fascinating. And it's been, so I've been inspired by her a lot lately. Um, and then I always have my go-tos. Like I have go-to songwriters. Um, Patty Griffin is a big one. She's probably my all-time favorite songwriter. You said your son is 10, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so he's about to enter, you know, that age that we're kind of talking about. I mean, how, how does that feel for you? I mean, it is wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's been an interesting time because I feel like I can relate to him a lot where he's at right now. Um, and, and I'm getting to see him grow up and change and I'm kind of just like watching and letting, letting it all happen and be like, you do you, like you do you, I'm here, whatever you need. But, um, yeah, it's just fascinating. What are some, what are some ways you feel like, uh, like he's changing? I mean, (sighs) well, he's always been like very well spoken. My son has like this grasp of language that nobody else in my family has. I don't know. He's been reading since he was a really young child. And so, but his vocabulary keeps expanding like rapidly and he'll, he'll come in and say these really profound things in the kitchen and then just walk away. <laughs> and I'm like, Whoa, I don't even know the word you just you used. Just- <laughs> but I've got a picture of him just like walking into the kitchen and being like, uh, you know, uh, you know, life is an illusion. And then just yeah, walking right. out, you know, just like, like in his boxers, he's like, just so you know. <laughs> uh, um, so, so he's changing that way. He's becoming independent in a different way than he's ever been. Like he's taking a lot more time to himself than, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I'm just learning to, to be cool with that and be like, you take your time. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's crazy. You know, so my kids are, my kids are, are younger. They're, they're on the other end of that. My kids are four and two, but like, I find myself like, I don't know. I, I think what kind of part of what drove me to make this podcast and the album that goes with it and all that stuff is just that, like, I have such vivid memories of being at that age. Um, part, maybe partially because of trauma, you know, frankly, but, mm-hmm. um, and just, and, and just things sticking with me. But, um, you know, I find myself, I don't know if fantasizing is the right word, but just imagining when my kids are that age, like, um, I don't know, just like, I, I feel like I want to say something to them. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I want to like, not warn them, but warn them, you know what I mean? And just be like, heads up, you know, shit's going to get weird, you know? And, and yeah. like, it's normal for shit to get weird. And, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be okay. <laughs> right. Right. Get ready. It's going to get weird. The thing that like I focus on is that, you know, I'm here like, right. and I'm not going anywhere. Right. And so it will get weird, but, you're loved like unconditionally. And it's something that like, you know, when I was a, when I was that age, I wish I had heard more Mm. and like, it's like, okay to be you. That age for everybody is just such a wild slew of emotions and, and moments and spat, you know, um, vivid memories, but also vague ones. I mean, how well do you feel like you remember being 11 to 14 or so years old? Yeah, that's a good question because I, I was doing my homework for this interview and 
I had to like really think back to being like, what years <laughs> of my life were this? And they all kind of blended together. It was an interesting time for me. Um, I had, my parents had split a while before and one of them had <clears> moved <throat> to a different state. And so it was this like big time of change in my life. And I, I didn't remember a lot of it until mm. I started really digging into it. And there's a few years there, like from like 10 to 13, where it's like, I know these pretty fundamental things happened, but I couldn't have named them without having like thought about this, like a little bit more in depth on purpose. Um, so I didn't really remember too much until I was digging. And the thing that actually kind of reminded me of some of these stories, was I was looking at a list of hit songs from like 2000, like the top 100. And I know every single song on that list. I'm like, oh, right. Right. This was what I listened to right. on the radio. Um, but each of those associated a memory like of that time in my life. And so it's kind of cool. And I'm going to do a little more listening. I just have specific memories. Like when I listen to you know, I don't know, Marcy Pl Playground or something. There's like, yeah. I remember when I first heard that song. And oh my God, take me there. Like what? Life. So let's, let's go with, let's go with Marcy Playground. I mean, I imagine the song you're talking about is Sex and Candy. I mean, that's the one that I know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one in particular, um, I don't remember the exact first time I heard it, but I remember being at recess in like fifth or sixth grade. It must've been like sixth grade. And I remember singing it with my friend and we would make up these alternative verses of it, which is funny because like, I probably didn't really understand what the song was about at the time. I'm not sure I currently understand what the song yeah, really is about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That was a great song. But yeah. Like who knows what the fuck he's talking about. He smells sex and candy here. I mean, <laughs> totally. What's yeah. So I remember, I can remember very vividly the sidewalk. Um, there was this long sidewalk in front of my middle school. Because um, in Ohio, the schools are set up a little different. Um, middle school is like third grade through sixth grade. So I was at the end of that school. Oh, wow. Grade. Wait, what? Middle school is third grade through yeah, sixth grade? Yeah, and then we have grade? a junior high school, which is seventh and eighth grade. Got you. And then okay. high school is in ninth through twelfth. So it's just wow. a weird setup. That is, that's pretty wild, yeah. I've never seen Sorry. seen it anywhere else. Like any yeah, place yeah. I've ever been. Um, That's weird. Yeah, like I wouldn't think that. Like, there's clearly a definitely a distinction between, you know, I feel like seventh and eighth graders, and maybe arguably sixth graders, and like fifth through first graders. But like, I've never heard of a distinction, you know, beginning <laughs> yeah. at third grade and going all the way. Yeah, that's that's pretty wild. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, because <laughs> well, when you're in third grade, you have very little in common with the sixth graders. Yeah, right? Like, what? So, I don't know. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. I remember in front of that school, um, we would go out and there was just like this big field in front of the school and there was this sidewalk and I don't remember exactly what we were doing, but I can picture singing the lyrics with my friend um and making up verses with it and i yeah. hadn't thought about that in years like even when i hear the song every now and then i don't think about that but today i was listening to it and i was like oh yeah that's when i first heard that yeah definitely so so what are some other songs that have like really vivid memory associations for you mm, mm, that's a good one so 
I remember a lot of the Blink One Eighty Two songs from. Oh hell yeah! Like night, <laughs> yeah, totally. I, um, like from like, um, Enema of the State, right? Yeah. That all yep. came out right around that time for me, and so I would be playing PlayStation and listening to the radio, waiting for all the small things to come back on, <laughs> like on, like on repeat, and it would, it would, they would play it like twice an hour or something when it first came right, out. So, right, right, right. So I just have the radio on. It's such a different world now, you know, than it used to be. Just the idea, like, I, every now and then I have to explain to my students that, like, you know, you had to pass the time and wait for the song that you <laughs> wanted to come on the radio to come on. Or you had to wait for the right time and station for the show that you were watching, right? Like, yeah. it's such a such an alien world i think for kids today where everything is just like on demand and um you can just hear the thing that you want um instantaneously do you think that that shapes a person a little bit i don't know like uh, for someone for instance for someone who is like like i imagine you were but certainly like i was where the art you take in is really um it really sculpts you you know like it really it really changes your makeup and um, influences you and ultimately the person that you would become. Like, I wonder if like, there's a difference now for that same kind of person where, whereas before we had to wait for it to come on, you know, mm -hmm. and, and now you can just at the, at the touch of a button, usually just, just have it whenever you want it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not even really sure exactly what I'm getting at here. I just wonder if, if, if as if as a consumer of art and someone who habitually consumes art um if if in your upbringing you have things on demand if that's if that kind of changes you fundamentally in a way that not having that did you know what i mean i don't know what do you think about that yeah. does that make any any sense <laughs> am i making any I'm sense i'm with you yeah <laughs> okay cool <laughs> um no that's a good question i think there's a couple parts to that it's the yeah. being able to have it on demand which means you don't leave it up to any chance. Um, so for example, there I remember this Madonna song, the same year that she covered American Pie, which was another one of my favorite songs growing up. Mm -hmm. I had the, the Madonna cover of American Pie specifically? No, the original. Or just American Pie, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had the cassette, the Don McLean cassette. But then on Hot 101 was the radio station, the pop station mm -hmm. Madonna's cover would come on. I would never have listened. I would never choose to listen to that. Like when I was 12, I would have never mm -hmm. chosen that, right. but I heard it all the time and it definitely influenced me. Um, and there's a, just a bunch of stuff like that, that I think like I would have never been influenced by, but I think now that's probably still the case. It just comes in different like formats, you know, kids are sharing, songs with each other mm -hmm. and you're you're getting it like exposed to different art through different mediums um but as far as like being able to access it constantly and like listen to it as many times as you want that i don't know that's really interesting i know my son listens to the song on repeat constantly 
What what is the song? Oh, like any of them. Like he listens oh, to like yeah, one yeah. song until he's totally done with that song. Oh my god, yeah. Dude, I used I, I used to do that too. Yeah, I used totally. to yeah, when I bought CDs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. when I bought CDs, I would I would have uh songs just like on repeat. And my mom would be like, What is wrong? Yeah. <laughs> like, how, how do you listen to how do you do this? I've heard it again. Uh, I've already heard this song. Right, exactly. Again and again and again. Yeah. And now it's so funny. Now as an adult, I find that I don't know if you do the same, but I find that when I find music that I really, really like, I actually try to listen to it a little less. Mm-hmm. I um I try to save it for when I really, really want it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I can think of a couple examples like that. Uh like the 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 Bon Iver album for Emma Forever ago. Have you heard this? Mm-mm. Oh God, dude. It is this um so have you heard of Bon Iver? Yeah, yeah. He's this yeah, he's this like a uh, sort of folk indie kind of guy. Uh and his first album he produced um just in a cabin in the woods by himself. It was it was one of the first big success stories of the like home studio era, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like the um and it was just him going, just going through some shit. Like his girlfriend broke up with him. He had this kind of long, um, belabored illness that he had just gotten, you know, had to deal with. And and he just produced this like beautiful, painful um, album called Forever Forever Go. And it's one of my my deepest, most favorite albums ever made. And I only save it for when I'm just like in the absolute worst throes of misery you know and and i only ever put it on so like if you ever hear me listening forever forever ago just be like dude are you okay you know what I mean? like, yeah Do you have any music like that that you just kind of keep sacred that is just like something that you only resort to on occasion? <laughs> yeah. There if I'm in that that mode, um there, there are a couple albums I'll go to. It, and it doesn't have to be it just has to be like an intense, like very emotional place. But um the Tori Amos album, Little Earthquakes, is one mm. of those for me. Yeah. Where it's like I <laughs> That's a particularly sad one for me. Like if I want to be, if I'm feeling it, I have a cassette tape. I just go pop it on and listen to it, flip it, listen to it, flip it. Right on. Um, Yeah, and there's probably a couple other ones. There's one of the uh, Patty Griffin's album, Impossible Dream. That's like Mm. my go-to when I'm feeling down and I just want to connect. Sunday after. Was laughter in the air. Everybody had a kite. They were flying everywhere. And all that trouble went away. And it wasn't just a dream. All that trouble went away. And it wasn't just a dream. In the middle of the night, we try and try with all our minds. To light a little light down here In the middle
tell me about like any friends you had did you have friends in middle school when you were like at 11 to 14 were you more of a loner type what like tell me about that yeah so wow what a transitional period for me so because where i went to school you switch from middle school to junior high in like sixth to seventh grade and it's like a totally different school um it was a time that like a lot of my friendships changed but I had my best friend, um, Rebecca and I had been friends for, since we were little kids, um, like little, little kids and probably like kindergarten. I think we started kindergarten together. And so even at that point we had been in class together our whole lives and her and I went into middle or to junior high school, like, all right, you're my friend. We got a friend, we're doing this together. And we kind of like stuck that way throughout the rest of high school and junior high school. And, but other than her, like pretty much all of my friends changed after that, like after sixth grade, um, I had kind of started develop, like, you know, I was inspired by Blink-182 and I was like, oh, I'm gonna learn about punk rock. Like, what is punk rock? Which later yeah. my friend pointed out that they're like, that's not really punk rock. Blink-182 is not really that. <laughs> and I'm like, what? It's so punk. And they're like, no, nah, not really. But Fuck you, man. But, they, they, use stud, they, have, they wear studded belts. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, as punk rock as Newfound Glory. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, you don't get it. So, but anyway. That was so, a perfect reference. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I had bet. Then I, that like year in like seventh grade, I had met the kids that would be like kind of my crowd throughout my adolescence. Um, and they were skateboarders. Um, I skateboarded. I was really terrible at it, but I did it anyway. If you you skateboarded, yeah. I did. I was not good at it, but, but that was like my, my crew. Like we would just hang out. It was a bunch of people who, a bunch of kids who's, parents like were you know not really around all the time and mm-hmm. so we could do whatever we wanted and we all just kind of banded together and hung out um and so i had several of my best friends in that time that's when i first started i joined my first band when i was in seventh grade um, oh cool yeah. tell me about the band what so what was the band i mean oh yeah oh my gosh this is a great story actually Let's go. So the first time, so I started playing trombone when I was in fifth grade. That's how I started playing music. Um, By the time I was in seventh grade, I had a bass guitar and a little five watt Hondo amp. Mm -hmm. And it was this really cool scene where I got this call from a friend that I knew from roughly an acquaintance. He was like, hey, I, uh, I heard you play bass. And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, you definitely play bass. <laughs> like, you want to try out for our band? I was like, cool, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so it was totally like that, too. And so I show up to do this band, band thing, and I had only ever played bass in my bedroom Yeah. with my, like, two napster was like what i like played bass. right right yeah, so yeah i didn't even know how to play bass so i show up and i have this little tiny amp and they've all got you know at least 
combo amps that are at least loud enough to play with drums. Yeah. So I yeah. show up and I do this whole rehearsal of these four songs and uh, you can't hear anything I'm playing because it's so quiet. Right, right. But they're like, at the end, they're like, okay, um, yeah, that, that was really good. You, uh, <laughs> do you want to be the bassist? <laughs> I was like, well, you know, I get, yeah, I guess I'll do it. I, I guess I'll be the bassist. <laughs> Y'all are pretty good. And what, what I what I love about this is like th that story is that like underneath all it's just like maybe I'm saying stating the obvious, which is like underneath all of the like nonchalance is just so much desperation on everybody's part, yeah. right? Like, like, like <laughs> you clearly really wanted to play the band. Like, they clearly really needed a bass player, right? Like, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It was, yeah. I will never forget that. Um, so that's how it started. I didn't even have like, a, I had like a little crappy washed burn bass. Um, yeah and i still have that bass i kept it but yeah mine mine was a johnson bass oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i actually i did end up selling it but uh yeah it was uh yeah i i played that thing for many years <laughs> totally so i i play with this band and they became my best friends like i finally had like a, an identity right mm. i i was doing something i was in a band i was going to band practice Mm -hmm. And it became this like, it just felt so good to have an identity in that, that time in my life where like, you know, my parents were split. I lived with my dad who worked all the time and I just ran around and skateboarded all the time. But there was this thing that like grounded me of like, I'm doing something. And, and yeah, so those guys became my best friends. Um, and we played covers. We wrote some yeah. songs too, if I recall. Yeah, I think we wrote songs. Um, I didn't. They wrote songs. And I played right, bass. sure. Yeah, yeah. But I learned how to play bass because I was in a band. So mm -hmm. I practiced a lot and I got good at it. Um, and we did cover songs and we played gigs. We would play in the bars in Ohio. No one cared. Wait, what? You could play in bars as like a 12-year-old, 13-year-old? Yeah, like 13. 14 was like when I started really? playing in bars. Yeah. Um, Ohio must be a very different place. It's a very different <laughs> place. We, we grew up in like a small town in the Rust Belt and people were just stoked that there are these like young, like teenagers playing rock music. And sure. we made money. People would pay us to play music. It was great. Shit. Yo, that's, I mean, look, that's more than I can say for myself. I probably <laughs> made more money then than I do now. So. I know, right? <laughs> no, that's, that's really amazing. It's really, um, thank you for sharing that with me. Just that, like, yeah, it, you know, having that band is something that kept you grounded. How long did you do that band for? So I think we did that band until maybe like two, like a year and a half, two years. Which at the time felt like a, like everything, right? For, yeah, for so yeah. Long, we were so serious and like we're like we're gonna get good and we're gonna do it and right. make it whatever that meant. My band, like the one that really became a focal point of my life, was in high school, and um, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. You know, we 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 must have. When I think back on it, I'm like, oh, that must have been a year and a half or two years, but it felt like so much longer it felt like so much more you know mm -hmm. 
I wonder, I wonder as to your thoughts as to why you think that is like, why, why do these like small moments in our life at that time feel like lar- like much larger hallmarks of, of who we are? You know, there's the, the relative time thing, which is the easiest answer is like, you know, everything seemed longer as a teenager. Sure. Um, but there's also the, like, when you're, learning these major things about yourself um, and finding these parts of your personality and things that will go on to define you later in life, I feel like the significance of that probably factors in. I guess like it's, it's hard to put myself in that position again and remember, try to remember what I was feeling, but it felt big. Right. And it ultimately was because it did alter my whole life. Like, I'm still doing it 20 years later. Sure. So did you have any inclination at that young an age that you were trans or is there some sort of, you know, was it more of a, a later discovery for you? Hmm. No, I definitely knew, but I didn't know. I didn't know any language around it at that time in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely, like, as I look back on it, I always knew that something was different about me and that I didn't fit in to my body and like my social roles and social roles in my community were really strict and I never understood any of it. And so like, I remember being like really confused about why that was. So I did know if given the, the chance, if I could like snap my fingers and you know, be a girl, I would have done it in a second. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that not everybody would do that at that point in, sure. in my life. Um, but I think a lot of that has to do with like the social aspect of where I grew up. There weren't many openly gay people. Um, and there was only one trans person in the town mm. at that time. And she was not included in the social atmosphere. She was definitely... She's definitely like on the outskirts of town. It was, it's a pretty homophobic area and mm-hmm. certainly a transphobic area. Um, so I think I was scared a lot. And I, so I struggled with that yeah. of like having these feelings, knowing that I was different and that something was, that there was something there to explore, but also being terrified to be myself. Um, and that's the thing that like I try to convey in my relationships, especially with younger people now is like, it's totally okay to be yourself, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I had any people in my life doing that really. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, you can be yourself as long as it fits into these categories and you don't push right. it too far. Right. In the words of South Park, do what you want to do, as long as that's what everyone else wants you to do. Exactly. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. exactly. That is words of wisdom. Yes, yes. Um, from what is, I find, an increasingly problematic cartoon. But um, <laughs> that, that is beside the point. Do you have any specific moments where that, where that tension was particularly poignant, like a specific memory that you can relay to us? Or hmm. is it more of just like a general... You remembered kind of the general feeling, but not really a, a specific moment. No, there was just a lot of like 
awkward moments that I, <laughs> that like added up over time where it was okay. like, you know, like I used to wear girls clothes when I was a kid. Um, you know, quote unquote, girls' clothes as a kid. And, and, and when you say we, when you were a kid, what do you mean? Like, like what? Like yep, little kid? Or yeah, like, a, like from like six to ten. Um, okay. And like, I didn't socialize with with boys at all. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And and I remember being like so fascinated with with like girls' bodies and like my friends, mm. like, and just like in this way that wasn't like a pubescent kind of thing. Like, where yeah. it was like, I'm not like, it's not like sexually driven. It wasn't. It's like a, yeah, it's different. Yeah. Um, so then there was that. And then there was like, I, I never, you know, as far as like my sexuality goes, like I never understood, but like, I'm attracted to like all sorts of people. And I mm-hmm. always was even mm-hmm. like, as like I was starting to become interested in sex and stuff, like I was like totally fixated on androgynous people and there weren't many, but I was like, I don't know if that's a boy or girl. I'm in love with you. What are you? Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? I, I just, I love you so much. Right. right. Um, and so like, I remember there's this time we were going to buy a drum set up at this place and there was this person selling the drum set who I took to be a girl. And, you know, at the time I I was raised a boy. So like at the time I was there and I was like, told my drummer friend who's in my band, I was like, that's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my whole life. And he's like, no dude, that's a boy. (laughs) And I was like, huh? What? Like, (laughs) All right, well, that's the most beautiful boy I've ever seen in my entire right, life. Yeah, then. yeah. So, like, whatever the fuck, you know? And then I was like, what, is, what am I? <laughs> like, what is my deal here? You know, when I finally did go away, I, I went to college, and I went to um, a liberal arts school in Ohio called Antioch, and it was mm. super queer. And I met, like, my first, like, trans person. My first trans person. I met my first friend who was trans. Mm. Um and I remember being like, you can do that? You can be, <laughs> what? You can do this? And I just remember my mind being blown and being like, this is the best day of my life. Oh, man. That's yeah. so great. It was, it was awesome. It's, 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 you know, it's very sad that those examples were not there for you as a younger person. But, you know, it, it, there is something also kind of epic and revolutionary in the sudden... <laughs> understanding of that right so amazing that's wonderful oh nice right on right on right on do you feel that you like carry any elements of your trans identity into the music that you make now yeah yeah i think i do so a lot of what i write about is like you know i try to share my story um which you know includes being trans um and a lot of like what I write about is like my mental health because I've, I've definitely struggled with like mental illness from mm-hmm. probably right around this time. Like, you know, I was like 13 is when I first got depressed. Sure. And, um, as far as I remember. And so like, that's the focus of like what I try to write about because I know other people hurt and I know other people are lonely and I know there are other trans kids out there who just want to, know that it's okay to be themselves. And so I try to incorporate that in my writing. And I'm actually going to start 
um, a blog, a blog, a vlog, and then I started doing YouTube videos, mm -hmm. um, kind of addressing these things, um, mental oh, wow. illness and, you know, my trans identity as an artist. Um, but it, it all factors into my writing. So Emma, if, if you had, um, the way I've been ending these podcasts is if you had a piece of advice to give to yourself as, as a tween or, you know, an 11 to uh, 14, 17 year old, what, what, what would it be? I would tell a younger me or anyone for that matter, that it is totally okay to be who you are and to yeah. not know who you are. Mm, nice. I, I particularly find that that last piece to be, uh, of comfort to the the young me so mm -hmm. so if any yeah that's that's nice thank you for that yeah. um emma this has been great thank you so much uh i i really look forward to your new music um Spazar is such a fabulous band you are a, a, a killer songwriter and uh, i can't wait to hear more from you thanks so much harry i really am grateful to, to have talked with you